0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are today. My name is Ali Amagasu, and you're listening to the latest episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Today, as always, I'm joined by my spectacularly entertaining co-host, Pete Johnson. Hey, Pete.
1: Hey, Ali, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have today's guests on because they have been elusive. I'll say, we try to start um, scheduling them back in February. It's June. This might not even go live till July, but it's June and we're finally talking to them. So yay for that. Um, Let me introduce them. I've got Chris Anizek, the CTO from from CNCF. He is currently in a a lounge in an airport in between flights on his way to China, if I understand correctly. Welcome, Chris. It's
2: good good to be here. I'll try to be as quiet as possible in the lounge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, we're not hearing a thing. Our other guest is Philip Estes from IBM. And Phil, I do not have uh, your title.
3: Yes, I'm a distinguished engineer and CTO in the uh, IBM Cloud office for architecture strategy around containers and Linux.
0: And clearly involved enough in CNCF that when we set this call up, someone thought to say, "Hey, we should involve Phil as well." So that'll be interesting to find out what your what your uh, angle is there. But uh, I'll, I'll say when we when we originally asked you guys to be on, it's because C- Containerd was graduating, and that was exciting. We'd gotten the press release. We wanted to talk about it. so many things have happened since then. (laughs) So Chris, I'm going to start by putting the, before we do a dive down into any of the technologies, I want to give you a chance to just talk to us about what, what has happened lately with CNCF. Yeah,
2: it's, uh, it's, it's been a little bit wild since, you know, when we initially set this up, we were uh, kind of all preparing for KubeCon Europe in Barcelona, which we nearly had about 8,000 people uh show up in in uh may you know uh we've had a kind of a lot of announcements there mostly in terms of uh the, e- the ecosystems continuing to grow you know we have over 400 members now part of CNCF co- different companies all over the world um we had a, a end user award was given to Intuit if you're familiar with like the TurboTax folks they've been a long kind of long term adopter of cloud native and kind of moving Uh, you know, to a cloud-native architecture. It's always interesting to kind of see companies that have been around for a while that were, you know, running mainframes, making their journey to uh, the cloud and and cloud-native techniques. Uh, We also announced, uh, I believe at the time, there was a Fluent D graduation, which is uh, another project uh, part of CNCF. So just like Container D, we have projects that eventually reach a certain maturity level and acceptance from our technical board and CNCF where they decide to bestow upon the kind of graduated title, showing that the project is, you know, uh, diverse, has a lot of different companies involved to ensure that it's going to have a long life. It's good for sustainability when you just have more than one company involved in the project. And it's a project that's kind of adopted widely and generally, you know, ready for companies to to kind of bet their business on, essentially. So they're kind of the kind of big announcements. Uh, Oh, we also had the um, kind of interesting... uh, Open Tracing, Open Census merger under a new project called Open Telemetry. So, if you're kind of familiar with the APM space, there's kind of different ways to, it's kind of different approaches out there for tracing APIs. There's a lot of different tools out there. They all have different, you know, APIs. And so, this is kind of a merger of two strong, opinionated open source projects under the banner of of one. So, um, and that basically all rolls under CNCF now. So, it's kind of exciting. Uh, to see that when you have two competing uh, projects that may not get along super well, but eventually come to some conclusion that you know what it's better to work together, stronger together. Let's let's do something and announce it at, at KubeCon.
0: Wow, you guys have been busy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, um,
0: it, in 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 a nod to what we were originally yeah. going to speak about, can you tell me, uh, or can you tell our audience what Container D is and also what Fluent D is?
2: So Fluent D is uh, you know all. Um, Uh, I'll leave container D mostly to fill here, Uh, but so Fluent D is a unified, they call it a unified logging layer. And and so basically you kind of think as Fluent D as a way to aggregate uh, a bunch of logs from many different sources, right? It could be, you know, syslog, it could be logs coming from an application, and then basically taking that and putting it somewhere else. So almost like a proxy where you could take, you know, maybe, you know, syslogs, uh, you know, from a bunch of machines, and dump them in some type of RDMS. And so Fluentd has basically built this ecosystem of, they have literally adapters written for every type of data store, logging source, and and so on, right? And they have hundreds of these plugins and it's used all over the place, right? So they've got this great ecosystem that they've uh, built and you know, uh, logs are almost a part of any application, not necessarily cloud native, but in the cloud native world, you're tending to deal with microservices that may be using different systems logging different types and Fluentd kind of helps aggregate all those and then put them in you know your preferred store or or whatnot so hopefully that makes a little bit sense to you but kind of think of it as a unified logger aggregator super absolutely
0: and do you would most people listening to this talk have have heard of Fluentd or are they likely to have actually used it
2: uh, I would see they probably may have come across it, you know, once, you know, you know, once or twice, uh, you know, in, in their kind of development uh, life. Uh, a lot of times it is used kind of behind the scenes. A lot of the, let's say, like, you know, I think Google Cloud and some of the clouds out there may use Fluentd behind the scenes as part of um, their platform. So it's kind of something that, you know, kind of flies kind of under un, under the radar, but used uh, quite, quite heavily. And, you know, honestly, developers always have a problem of aggregating logs from different sources and, and dumping it. Um, somewhere, if if they, if they roll applications on their own. All
0: right, thank you for explaining that. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, so, Phil, how about uh, containerd? Can you can you let our audience know what that is?
3: Sure. Um, yeah. So, it's probably best to give a minute of history, but the Docker oh. engine has been used for oh. for years by by the Kubernetes project as the runtime for how containers are actually run underneath Kubernetes. Um, Docker is seen as sort of an opinionated runtime and there have been some historic struggles between version upgrades and Kubernetes changes. And so over the years, the community and Docker and Google and others worked together on a strategy to have a less opinionated runtime uh, donated to the CNCF. And so container D is one option for a container runtime to replace Docker underneath Kubernetes. Uh, Fast forward to where we are today and you have IBM Cloud and Google Cloud both using Containerd um, in production. Uh, Red Hat has also um, entered that space as well. With OpenShift, they have Creo, which is also now a CNCF project. Uh, So Kubernetes abstracted how you connect a container runtime to kubernetes and that allows for a plurality of engines so docker is still available container d is available creo is available and uh, so that's kind of where we are today it's, it's a basic core container runtime that kubernetes can use underneath the platform
0: and are you all using that extensively at ibm is that where your involvement is or are you just a contributing member of the community and
3: uh, both, yeah. So I was heavily involved in the Docker engine on behalf of IBM, became a maintainer, um, worked on some of our partnership with Docker over the years, and then helped with this idea of creating Container D uh, and contributing it to the CNCF. And I'm a core maintainer of Container D as well. And we do use it heavily in IBM Cloud. Our functions as a service platform runs on it. Our IBM Kubernetes service runs on Container D. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely involved, both upstream and open source and also with how we're using it at IBM.
0: You all have touched on many subjects that I know he's <laughs> passionate about, so <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah I, well, I was saying, so So Phil, I, I think you and I are old enough to have this common, have this common frame of reference. What's going on with Container D very much reminds me of Apache emerging out of the IIS, NetScape application server wars back in like the mid '90s, where it was like, "Hey, maybe we should have an open source alternative to all these commercial solutions that we're having in this area." Is is that an apt analogy, or is is this different in a fundamental in, in a fundamental way that I'm not catching quite yet?
3: Yeah, I mean, maybe not as, as sharp a, a differentiation uh, because you know Docker is also open source, but but. Uh, has been seen by by some as being, you know, more tied to Docker's enterprise products. And so Containerd container was a, a nice, uh, I would say, um, agreement to have something kind of at a middle layer that isn't owned by Docker, the company, uh, but Docker still uses Containerd underneath its broader kind of engine, both commercial and open source. Um, and so, it, yeah, uh, I. There are similarities, but but yeah, it's been an intre- the whole container runtime space has been <laughs> interesting. Chris Chris is well aware of that over the last yeah. five years.
2: Yeah, there's been I mean there's some other interesting history we didn't get into where you know when people say Docker could be a little bit confusing because like are right. you talking Docker the company, Docker the product, Docker yeah, the container? Yeah. a lot of people usually when they say Docker they mean containers, but what a lot of people don't realize. Um, you know, the past three year, three, four, you know, years, a little over four years, there's been efforts to kind of standardize what a container is, right? So you necessarily don't have to rely just on on using Docker containers, right? There there, there was kind of this fun phase that we affectionately called the container wars back in the day when you had like rocket, container, different runtimes, and there was an effort actually parallel to cncf setup called the open container initiative which you know i was also involved in when it helped start cncf and oci was basically scoped to basically standardize what a container runtime and image is so you could have you know different different options essentially not be tied necessarily to one vendor and that project has actually been incredibly wildly successful in stopping kind of the the kind of fighting and infighting kind of in the container space and now most containers out there whether they're docker or, or custom are all based on on oci and it's kind of just this, this quiet little standard that exists that is supported by projects like container d docker and and, and others uh, out there
1: nice um i have i have two other kind of more broad technical things i want to ask but before i do this i, I have to give you you guys in your marketing of uh cncf a, a shout out here Now we don't we don't post video anymore but <laughs> But Chris, I don't know if you yeah. can see what this is. I'm holding up in front of yeah. me. I, I'm the proud owner of a cloud native computing yeah. foundation fidget spinner. Yeah, which is it, you. It's it's hard to have obtained one of these because there was this intersection of Kubernetes growth and fidget <laughs> spinner popularity, and yeah. there's like this, you know, this supply demand where I have this. And I don't know if you can hear this.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's a, a solid mind. it's a solid piece of hardware.
1: It's a solid piece of metal, and it's got some high quality ball bearings in there. This thing will spin like crazy. And I'm I'm a fidgeter. I, I yeah. play with this literally every day on every meeting that I'm on. So I think about <laughs> you guys all the time.
2: I'm just I'm just. Saying. Uh, it's 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 great. Then that investment was worth it. We we <laughs> actually for for listeners, if they're interested in their own fidget spinner, we actually do have them on. Uh, oh, you still have CNC. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CNCF has a community store. If you go to store.cncf.io, you should be able to to find them uh, there along with like shirts, socks, you know, if you need some Kubernetes socks, that's always good to you well, know, keep your feet warm.
1: I remain a big fan of the of the fidget yeah. spinner. The really, I got it for free at a booth at a trade show uh, and yeah.
0: PT worked for CNCF marketing. That was a very organic. <laughs> I don't. Time
1: I <laughs> Alex, you, you and I have done enough time in booths at trade shows to know to know good swag when you see yeah. it. And yes. I really yes. And I also know
0: people. Yep, and I also know that there was some poor marketing person who's like, "Let's do this," and everybody's like, nah, "Yeah." Nah. And that, that person fought for yeah, the budget, think, and they got it. So if you're on. listening right now, marketing yeah. warrior. Who now, to you. If you
1: haven't seen one, it, it looks like it looks like the <laughs> Kubernetes logo, right? With yeah, the with yeah. with the with the ship wheel. Like this was yeah. a custom build. This was not a cheap product. No. To go <laughs> out and put some flags yeah. on I I, <laughs> I I can't tell you how many pens of different companies I've worked for. I still own. Like that's the lowest common denominator of conference swag this this is a series this is a high quality product that I've, so, i am So a bit of funny
2: me. a bit of a funny story uh we, we prototype like a much larger version <laughs> of that for for, for an award because we do like community awards right right and, and it just like turned out to be ridiculous re- ridiculously heavy and just impractical. So we're just like, all right, we're not gonna do like large size fidget spinners for community awards, it's just too much. <laughs> right,
1: good news is you won an award, bad it's, news is it'll cost yeah. you another 200 bucks because it more than 50 ex- pounds to check as you're ex- on your trip Exactly. On. Right, okay. <laughs> so sorry for that aside, but I, I had to give, you, I had to give yeah. your marketing people a shout appreciate out. I appreciate it. The, so the first of the two things I wanted to ask the two of you about is this mini VM movement that seems to be going on, not just in CNCF, but in this broader community. I mean, last, I want to say it was as far back as last summer. We had someone on the program who was with the Kata Containers group, you know, since we've seen AWS announce Firecracker. And although that's still kind of in beta, that's the that same kind of thing. And and they could, they have not announced this, but they could offer that on Outposts. So that there's this, you know, there's this potential for this idea of, this mini VM as a as a housing to run one container per VM, where, where if you're not familiar with mini VMs uh, for listeners, the idea is that you get the spin-up speed of a container, but you get the resource separation and the security of a VM. So where do the two of you see this movement going and at what stage is it in? Are we kind of at 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 you know we at crawl, you know, crawl, walk, run? I assume we're still at crawl with this, but what's your take on this movement?
3: Yeah, so it's definitely a very interesting uh, space and there's lots of interest. In fact, I would even expand it beyond simply uh, micro VMs to other isolation, higher levels of isolation. Uh, as Yeah,
1: that's a good way to abstract the conversation, definitely.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, GVisor from Google, Nabla containers from IBM Research. There's this whole suite of of options out there for those that say, hey, I run a lot of untrusted workloads and I don't know if I believe the Linux kernels isolation is is viable for the concerns I have or the con- concerns of my CISO or security team. Um, so it's definitely a very active space. I would call it quite young. Uh, of course, you know, those of us in the thick of it, you know, we've been hearing about this for a couple of years and assume everyone's heard of it, but you know, that's the bubble we live in, so I would assume it's still, you know, maybe far down the roadmap from, from you know, serious production use. Uh, but, you know, for example, IBM is definitely looking at, at the technologies you mentioned, Firecracker, CATA, uh, we, like I mentioned, we have Nabla, thinking about how to offer our own customers in public cloud higher levels of isolation. The nice thing is all the projects we just talked about have integrations with Container D. So that means Kubernetes can use these technologies today. In fact, at KubeCon Barcelona, I demoed all of those projects in a single talk, which was a little bit exciting wow. uh, to get to get all that set up and working. But uh, just to show You had a busy you know, week
1: before then.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, very interesting technologies, a lot of interest. Um, and like I said, the the nice thing is having an integration with a container runtime and Kubernetes has support for specifying the runtime class now. So I can start a pod and say, you know what? I don't trust the container image in this pod. So please use the Cata runtime or the Firecracker runtime in the same Kubernetes cluster as non-isolated. Um uh, yeah so, so mixed
1: clusters you mean right that we're not yeah, not necessarily yeah. every node in the cluster has the same that's that's interesting
3: yeah so so anyway there's a lot of work going on to basically put the plumbing down for these technologies to become adopted and to be used fairly easily from the kubernetes abstraction layer um, so yeah it'll be interesting to see where all that goes yeah
1: I think well that's cool because no, I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, I, I just, like, I, I totally share the same sentiments of Phil, kind of where where we are with things. I think there's a lot of kind of somewhat FUD out there in terms of, like, you, you must use, you know, VMs or micro VMs because they're inherently more uh, secure than containers. But, you know, that, to me, is a completely orthogonal concept, right? Like, it's, it's you know, it's, it's kind of like saying Linux is inherently, you know, not secure it's really how you configure you know your environment and set it up right not necessarily the, the technology uh, you know i don't know if phil has sentence here because you know you you operate in container land almost 24 7 but this comes up all like all the time uh, at, at least from I mean, like oh it's like we're not going to move to you know containers you know because they're not secure And i'm like that's it's like saying you're not going to use linux because it's not secure it's really how you configure it
3: yeah so You know, I think the isolation discussion as Chris mentioned is, you know, interesting in the sense that there's a lot of FUD around are containers secure enough or not, but, uh, and some of that's just educational, you know, getting security teams up to date on on what all this means. I was talking to an enterprise customer lately who said our security team, I feel like they live 20 years behind where we are, you know, on the tech side. And so, so yeah, there's that side of the discussion but definitely when we're talking about, you know, multi-tenancy and mixed clusters, there, there's definitely a lot of interest in getting to choose the isolation level for very specific needs. And so I think that's where a lot of the interest lies uh, for where we're going with that.
1: I love this idea of these mixed of these mixed clusters, though, of being able to select it on an image-by-image image basis. Because then you can let the market decide, right? I, I like it when... When organizations can set up situations where you can let the market decide instead of making a decision that you then have to defend for the next five years or whatever, so this this concept of the mixed thing is 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 really awesome. I love that idea. Well, the other related one I wanted to ask the two of you about was the function as a service on Kubernetes movement. So uh, IBM and OpenWhisk has done a lot of work on this. I've talked to. To Michael and I never know how to pronounce Michael's last name. Uh, Berent, I think is how you. And Carlos Santana and that whole team. I talked to those guys a lot. You know, Google announced K Native last summer and kind of hasn't really decided whether they want that to be the underpinning for a bunch of different functions as a service on Kubernetes or whether they want it to be its own standalone thing. So there's there's a lot of movement in this area as well, and and it's related to that first topic, is because. Because Amazon basically revealed to us that hey, we haven't been using containers underneath Lambda all this time. It's really been Firecracker. So, how do you know? Given what we were just talking about with with the the mini VM movement and, and it, it's its adjacency at least to this function as a service on Kubernetes movement. We're, again, same question. You know, where do you think that movement is, and where do you think that's going?
3: Yeah, so as interesting you mentioned Michael, uh, Michael Behrendt and I talk regularly. In fact, he just sent an email today asking some more questions about Cata and Firecracker and, and Gvisor. visor uh, So again, as you said, there's an intersection between these technologies and how serverless platforms uh, will deal with kind of public isolation. But to your point, You know, OpenWisk has re-platformed on Kubernetes, which is an interesting move, which allows us to to run our IBM Cloud Functions platform on our Kubernetes platform. And so Knative is another step in that, although Knative is more the idea, let's not build a functions as a service platform, let's use the pieces of Kubernetes, the the things that already exist, pods, and we can use Istio for routing, and in-cluster build to build so Knative is kind of a truly fully Kubernetes native idea around serverless and, and FaaS. So yeah, I, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out what that means. Uh, and and we've listed two out of, I don't know, 10 different functions of the service yeah. projects around containers and open source and Kubernetes. So yeah.
2: Yeah, we we and CNCF, we have a serverless working group that's kind of exploring and documenting A lot of this stuff in this space. We actually, if you go to the CNCF landscape, l.cncf.io or s.cncf.io, which is kind of a smaller version, it kind of shows you the different projects um, out there kind of categorized in serverless slash functions of the service land. It's kind of still an evolving um, you know, space. We're doing some work in CNCF to kind of catalog things. We're also we also have a project called <clears throat> Cloud Events, which is kind of to is trying to standardize the metadata around a uh, event that a function would receive, which right. you know, uh, so the triggering events. Yeah, like simplify simplify the simplify the tooling so you could process events from all these different systems because the metadata is consistent, which is to me is a great um, idea, and there's a lot of work in getting Cloud Events supported by you know, the different clouds and, and vendors out there. So um, it's it, it's still a space that's um, uh, evolving in, in, in my opinion.
1: Well, yeah, and that's another place. So, so I did some research with some buddies in the fall on this building, basically building the equivalent of the Kubernetes guestbook on five different function as a service on top of Kubernetes runtimes to see what what how does the developer experience differ from one to the other. And, and at one extreme you have things like Knative or OpenFAS which very much expose to you things like the Docker files and uh, an image repository and those kinds of things. And at the other end of the spectrum, you've got open that gives you a very Lambda like experience. So this is another one where like the community has to vote kind of on, on which, which of these experiences do you want, where one you have more control because you have access to some of the underlying container primitives. And in the other, you're, you're trusting the abstraction to make some of those choices for you. Um, And then the thing that kind of, to me looms in the background, you know, based on what got announced in December is, I mean, they're not saying it yet, but it, it doesn't take a big leap of faith for you to, to, to see that 12 months from now you could run Lambda on an outpost. So why do, why, why do I need function as a service on Kubernetes if I can get native Lambda in my own data center? So that's, there, I, I think there's kind of this race going on of the Kubernetes community trying to figure out what do they want FAZ on Kubernetes to look like and will the community figure that out before you know the boogeyman comes and could can turn on whatever they want in the data center? How, how, how far off do you think I am on thinking about it that like that? Or, or, or do you think I'm, I'm giving Amazon way too much credit and some of the latency issues that they're gonna have with, with Outlook are, are gonna be bigger than people think?
3: Yeah, I, I um, yeah, I, I don't have strong sort of feelings about the prediction necessarily, but I, I, I mean, Lambda's been around for a long time already, so there's there's a whole idea of, of whose UX has kind of become the accepted yeah. way to do serverless. That's uh, a good way to put it. Yeah, so so I think that's more of the issue is, is as you said. Uh, U. the the experience of of coming up to all these different projects can vary pretty wildly and so I, I think almost the first decision is do we want to offer functions in the way that people expect it from lambda or are we going to you know go with this kubernetes native model where you you kind of have to understand the moving parts of kubernetes uh, to interact with it or
1: is there some third mechanism that somebody hasn't created yet that you know do, do we, we shouldn't as- Assume that, that Amazon got it right the first time, right? I mean, maybe yeah. there's some other form factor that nobody's come up with yet.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and obviously you want a system that is not inherently tied to, 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 to one cloud provider, in my opinion, right? You want your events in a way that they're, you know, if, if, if you drop something in like an S3 bucket, you know, it would be nice if that was somehow maybe like a genericized event because almost each cloud provider has, its own variation of, uh, you know, of that. So it's, uh, we'll see where things go. I think there's a lot of innovation uh, going on in kind of the serverless uh, space and we'll kind of see where it goes. It's, it's you know, for a while I thought serverless was going to take off like this crazy like rocket ship. And you know, I was almost like, almost briefly paranoid for a little bit, but I think the the practicality of this, it, it's not suitable for all types of workloads. And, it is not. You know, and, and just like, you know, just like, infrastructure, you know, these days is like, not all, not every company is running like everything on containers, like it's a mixed set of workloads running, you know, maybe there's some mainframe stuff there, there's some containers, maybe some old job, like it's a mix of everything, right? Like infrastructure, you know, is, is won't ever be like run one way, in, in my opinion, just the reality of it. So it'll be a mix of everything.
1: Yeah, there's still lots of choice out there and yeah. you have to make the choice that's best for your organization and yeah. your specific application. And yeah, I mean if, if you want to run serverless workloads and things that have like, you know, high high dependency on state and you have to load that state every time you load the function, or if you need GPUs for something, or I mean, there's lots of use cases where serverless isn't appropriate. And and yeah. I completely agree with you, Chris. It's it, there's there's such a mix. We're never going to standardize on yeah. one
2: thing. Yeah, it seems like there's always a movement for getting infrastructure to be like homogenous or just like one way of doing things. That's just never the re, you know never the reality. It's like infrastructure is heterogeneous. There's different ways to do something, and we s- try to do our best to kind of integrate them and you know stitch them stitch them together.
1: Well, I I think an analogy that I use there yeah. is software development is is depending upon your definition, somewhere between 50 and 70 years old. Structural engineering is several thousand years old, right? I mean, you can go to places in Europe and see archways that were built by Romans that use the exact same principles that we use to build things like the Golden Gate Bridge today. There's, there's no one way to build a building, just like there's no, in if there's no one way to build the building, if they haven't gotten that in thousands of years, why do we think, you know, with compute infrastructure and software that we're going to figure it out in 70?
0: Good point, Pete.
1: Yeah. I'm done with my deep dive stuff. Why don't you, why don't you, I think you were going to ask some more questions about some of the, some other either recent or upcoming kinds of announcements that yeah. CNCF was going to talk about.
0: Yeah. I just, I, I realized we're running out of time with the, uh... With Chris hanging out in an airport lounge.. Yeah, right? no worries. I really wanted to uh, before we wrap, just yeah. ask you, what's coming at Kubecon, China?
2: Yeah, uh, I can't reveal obviously the 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 secret announcements Dog on it, but, uh, you know we're happy to host uh, close to four thousand people in um, Shanghai next week, uh, which makes it kind of one of the largest open source conferences in China, which we're super excited about. Um, you know, it's uh One of the things we do to kind of, you know, unify, uh, you know, communities around the world, you know, open source is inherently a global thing. And, you know, we think it's important to have uh, an event in Shanghai where uh, I think China represents, there are number three contributor, I think, across the board to CNCF projects.
0: Wow, Um, that was going to be my next question. And I am shocked by that number.
2: uh, As a country, and I think they make up about 15 to 20% of our membership also. And we actually have a couple of open source projects uh, in CNCF that were, uh, quote unquote, born in China. So like, if you look at a project called Harbor, which is kind of, a, they call it a cloud native registry or it's a container registry. It supports sure. hosting containers, home charts. Uh, it was born out of uh, VMware China, which is kind of cool. And um, TIKV is kind of a fancy uh, key value store that you could build some interesting you know, technology on top of. And that was based out of China too. So it's kind of fun to see where, you know it, it's interesting where We've been so uh, open source, I think traditionally has been kind of heavy North American based and, you know, as other countries grow and continue to do things at scale, they come up with interesting technologies. And I'm happy to have CNCF kind of at the center uh, of that and and host projects from different, different parts of the world. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. So these guys have a
0: strong stake in CNCF, it sounds like. Correct. And this isn't just a courtesy trip. It's not just a rerun of what was happening in Barcelona. This no, is
2: No, not not at all. It's a whole separate, almost different community that they're open sourcing their ideas, sharing their approaches, and contributing upstream to the Kubernetes and uh, CNCF project community. For example, you know, you know, one example is um, there's a company out there called Ant Financial. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but there's a not- serv- there's a service there called Alipay. It is the largest mobile payment. System in the world. I think they have 800, 900 million users. It's just you know crazy, uh, you know uh, amount of transactions per second, all powered by Kubernetes. You know they'll be sharing kind of their story of what they're doing and open sourcing uh, some things, and they're uh, another kind of CNCF end user member, which is which is awesome. So
3: yeah, no, I'll go, I'll talk, I'll just yeah. toss. Yeah, I'll just toss in yeah. a, a couple of our container D maintainers are from Alibaba Cloud. Yeah um and we'll be meeting with them uh next week as well they've been some of our greatest contributors um, and they have heavy use of container d in their cloud in, in china that's that's another data point there
2: yeah it's it's an incredible community out there like you know there's uh you know it's a huge country uh you know and when you have so many people you tend to develop interesting Technology uh, solutions to deal with that scale. So I'm just super stoked. Uh, everyone's just sharing information and bettering the open source technology that we all depend on in a global scale.
0: That's great. We can't wait to hear what you're inter- yeah. what you're announcing out there.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just trying to think. Uh, you know, it's just uh, been kind of incredible to see the container and cloud native space grow over the last. Uh, you know, probably it's. I think it, this marks almost. Uh, it's going to be in a few months, four years for me at at the Linux Foundation, which help start CNCF and and OCI. And before that, I spent about five years kind of in infrastructure land at Twitter, where we had our own kind of orchestration technology called Mesos, which is kind of a popular solution and uh, just crazy to see how fast the industry has changed. And I I remember before I took the job to start CNCF, uh, a few weeks before that, I was at a meetup um, at Apple in, in In uh, Sunnyvale, uh, you know, they're talking about their Mesos usage, which, you know, as a company, they generally don't share that information much. Uh, So I take the job, you know, and three and a half years later, uh, you know, things turn around, and, you know, uh, Apple formally joined the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. They've been contributing to Kubernetes, GRPC, Envoy, the and other CNC projects. So it's kind of interesting to see how fast technology changes, um, you know, overall. I, I just feel like things are moving faster now, uh, I don't know if that's just me, but like it seems like the pace of change uh, seems 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 to be moving faster at least from from my perspective for technology
0: well i I agree a hundred percent i'm sure <laughs> I'm sure that Pete does as well. he's got yeah. his hands in in deeper than I do, but uh, you know who I feel for is is the the folks that are listening a lot of our you know customers yeah. I know you know we were just at Cisco Live and obviously yeah. that's a more networking focused event but I mean, some people still give you a pretty slack-jawed stare when you mention the word Kubernetes, you know? And, and that shocks me because we're yeah. in it every day. That is how we're spending our time. Yeah, it's
1: the bubble. Like Those like are the projects.
0: Even at Cisco, we have <laughs> Kubernetes projects, and that is where we spend our time in my group. That's what we're talking about. So when somebody doesn't know what it is or isn't sure, or they, maybe they've heard it, but they're not sure exactly what it's for, that I find that shocking.
2: Yeah, we're still in the early days when it comes to, I mean, it, it, is, a, it is a technology that has been adopted by banks a lot of leading industries and so on, but now we're kind of uh, what we call like hitting the late majority of adopters, which make up the majority of, of you know, companies out there. And it's just going to, I think Kubernetes will continue to cement itself in different areas. Like if you remember Linux, Linux kind of started out as a hobbyist thing, you know, kind of became uh, a dominant OS for the servers. Eventually crazy people were like, you know, let's, let's throw Linux in cars and embedded devices and so on eventually like started to take over different industries kubernetes is going under a similar transformation where people are trying to modify it to like uh, run uh vms and containers at the same times using the same control plane uh there are people that are trying to get kubernetes fit to fit in edge devices by slimming things down so like i think you'll see a similar pattern over time where different companies and users are going to like you know we need to orchestrate something, right? Like, can we potentially get Kubernetes to do that? And we need it to run on a constrained environment. Let's go rip out some pieces and see if it works. And I'm starting to see that evolution <laughs> uh, happen in, in in the CNCF and Kubernetes community. So I know Phil may have some different thoughts, but it seems people are, are at it. So.
3: Yeah, I mean, no, it's, it's a very interesting time where I think I agree with multiple things there. One is that, you know, the... The pace of change is is unbelievable, and that uh, uh, means a lot of work for us. You know, a, a big vendor. You know, dealing with customers, trying to keep them up to date. You know, give them guidance. Uh, but also, you know, I'm in Eastern Europe right now, and you know, banks here are trying to figure out Kubernetes. We had an Istio meetup last night, uh, packed out. You know, trying to understand all these new technologies and service mesh. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a very exciting time. And I think, you know, IBM sees our customer base is having, you know, kind of the 80, 20, about 20% are, are in this cloud native era. And we see, the, you know, this huge 80% opportunity of enterprises and, and companies who still want to move to cloud and understand containers and all these technologies. And so we all have plenty of work to do. Uh, I mean, it's definitely an ex- exciting time to, to see how the shapes shapes up over the next few years.
0: Okay, first off, I'm glad to hear that you're in Eastern Europe and that's not your home. Cause I was thinking, I mean, people can't <laughs> see the video, but I was thinking that is a weird, weird decorating arrangement that <laughs> Phil's got going on there. Yeah, but it also hotel. <laughs> it is very comforting for me for some reason to know that, you know, halfway around the world, you know, in Eastern Europe, you can go and there's a meetup and people are standing, you know, it's a packed meetup where people want to learn about Istio. That is so cool. That is really, really cool and comforting. So thank you guys for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to update us on what's going on with CNCF. We would love to have you back. The door is always, always open, but uh, I know you guys got places to go, people to see, and things to do. (laughs) So thank you very much. We enjoyed it, and we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you very much. All right, bye-bye.